Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome to the last episode of our World Cup 2022 podcast, Never Write Off the Germans. The title may sound redundant, but considering how many of them fled to Argentina after the war, it just about works. My name is Ashley Blaker and what guests we have today. First of all, a comedian, writer and improviser and host of the Stop Hammer Time West Ham podcast, it's Phil Whelans. Hi, Ashley. Are you okay? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm very well. Secondly, the writer of several books, including The Excellent Promised Land, about Leeds United, and Does Your Rabbi Know You're Here? Uh, a, a fabulous book about uh, Jews in football. It's Leeds United supporter Anthony Clavain. Hello, Anthony. Hello there. I'm, no, I'm never I usually introduced as Leeds United supporter, but I'll take it. Um, given that the con- contribution of Leeds and indeed Jews to this World Cup has been fairly minimal. You know what? It's probably good, I feel, when Jews have had a minimal impact on the World Cup. That's probably a good thing at the moment, I would say. Can you say that? Jews count, you know. No, there'll be a terrible VAR decision in the final and they'll say, that was the Jews. <laughs> and finally, the host of Sky's new reboot of Fantasy Football League, uh, among many other things, renowned Arsenal supporter, Matt Lucas. Greetings, Matthew. Hello, co-host. I should say co-host. Co-host. That is, I don't know, to, uh, in, if Ellis, in the incredibly unlikely case to Ellis James or even Andrew Mensah are listening to this. Andrew was on the show last week and he was introduced as co-host so I've upgraded you to host for some reason. (laughs) So apologies to Andrew and Ellis. Uh, Let's get the show underway. Um, There's going to be a clip each um, and you're going to hopefully tell me what's been happening. They're not too challenging because they've only been two games since we last did this podcast. Um, Phil, you're first. What's going on here? Yeah, they are. As the guy said, they don't even have to play well at times. They go through spells in the game where you thought they're rocking. Yeah. But they've got the experience, they've got the know-how. They're rugged at times. Uh, and they've got explosive power on the other end of the pitch. You can score goals. Is that about the Spice Goals reunion? Is that talking massive power on the... <laughs> well, that? 
I'll tell you what, that he's not talking about West Ham United, even though he used to play for them. Um, well, you know, oh, yeah, that's must- Rio, isn't it? That's Rio. It is, it is Rio. Yes, he's talking about the French. He is talking about he is talking about the French. Um, yeah. And would you agree? Are, are you a fan of the French? Are you? Uh, they looked. They did look favourites from the first game, wasn't it? Who did they, did they beat Australia in the first game? In Australia, they were losing, weren't they? Yeah, they- yeah. They have been good, haven't they? I'd have to agree. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd I'd have to sort of agree with uh, Rio there. They, you know, they've sort of they've made it all the way, haven't they? They've had some sort of slightly chatty wins, but they've sort of managed to, you know, stay in there. Do you think they were lucky against England? Would you say? <sighs> Um, I thought we'd put a good, really good show. I mean, in the second half, I thought we really battered them, but we just couldn't put the ball in the net, you know, apart from one penalty and then a missed penalty. That's really all that, you know, the, the only time we sort of troubled them, really. We just seemed to have problems with the final ball, didn't we? It's a shame. We were sort of toe-to-toe with them all game, I thought. It's, you know what's really funny, actually? In the prep, like, so people were obviously, and I understand it's a bit of a joke, you go like, oh, yeah, you know, we went out on penalties. Like, you know, Kane missed the penalty and that's why England went out. But probably like really super pedantic. But had he scored that penalty, it would only have been two all. It's not like England would have won the game. No, then we would have gone to penalties. Would have got to penalties, and then England would have lost. It's only it was only delaying the inevitable. Somehow England cock it up eventually. I think like England getting penalties, being offered a penalty, is a bit like when a stranger, you know, offers you a drink at a bar, and you go, <laughs> "No, that's so kind of you. I'm absolutely fine. That's really." <laughs> Like, like that's what that's how we should respond to penalties. Do you know what? It, it's a lovely idea, but honestly, we don't. We're fine because we don't score them. <laughs> There's been a couple of times when a penalty has been awarded, and the player that has, you know, won the penalty has objected to the referee and went, "No, no, no, no! I just fell over. I just fell over." Didn't Robbie Fowler do it once? Yeah, actually, it's Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. It's Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but, he, and, and he got he he got the penalty and then I think he missed it. No, he passed it. But I think he passed it to the goalkeeper so that it would be just an, yeah. easy, an easy pickup for the keeper. But then the but then I think the penalty was retaken and he scored. I was at the game, <laughs> of course. He he um he took it in a really kind of lazy mm. fashion. Is indolent the right word? Indolent. I don't know. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, you know, it's the only time you would use, you know, on CFAX, like when reports, it's the only time you use the phrase dusted himself down. You know, oh, yeah. you've never used that in any other context. But when a player is fouled and then he dusts himself down and takes the penalty himself, that's the only time you ever use the phrase dusted he did, himself. But it did, he, he did stop no, it. So he, right? No, so he, and he, he missed it and it. then retook it. And followed it in and scored. With Robbie Fowler, it's cocaine dust, isn't it? That's when he has to dust himself down. Oh, Um, oh, didn't he also, isn't that his other famous thing in the penalty area is pretending to inhale one of the, you know, the the, um, Mm. penalty box line, the 18-yard line? For an extra point, right, and I'd be very impressed before we move on to the next question, would anyone like to guess the connection between that goal celebration it was against Everton and this World Cup? And 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 I'll give you an extra clue to one of the managers in this World Cup. Is this anything to do with Graham Lasseau? No, no. One of the managers at the World Cup. No, no. I'll tell you. It was the. Uh, so he, he he did the line. 
um, it was hilarious. I was at that game. And uh, because the, the Everton fans used to call him smackhead and give him a lot of abuse. And then afterwards, Gerard Houllier, in the most hilarious post-match interview, was asked a question about it. And he said, ah, yes, we, uh, he's been, I won't do the accent. He said, we've seen this at the training. Week. He was imitating something that Rigobert Song did, which was uh-huh. eat the grass. When everyone was thinking, come on. The one uh, he's tapping his nose. I mean, there's not even a, a doubt what's going on here. And Rigobert Song is now the manager of Cameroon. So that's ah. the connection. that was the connection. Sadly, you didn't get it, but there you go. Anthony, here's a clip for you. Um, who's this uh, and what's going on here? In a bittersweet moment of personalities, one great will get to glitter on the most shimmering stage of all, whilst the other must sidle away, head bowed. But it is about more than just two men, great though they are. Now, it's not about Prince Charles, King Charles and Prince Andrew. Um, it's, it is a football-related thing. So, yeah, the greats. The, the, who's been the greats in this World Cup? Um, well, Messi, but uh, in Argentina's fi- uh, semi-final, it wasn't up against another great. I think Luka Modric would be the great who bow out. It, it is Modric playing his last game, bowing um, out. Well, yeah, I think, how old is he now? 59? Uh, he's 37. 77. He's 37. Oh, 30. Will he play another World Cup, Matt? Um, 41? You never know. I think it's unlikely. I mean, he's been, he's been, he's sort of, he's aged like a fine wine, hasn't he? Really, in terms of he's, he's, I think he's got better with age. Um, even, even now, he's, is world class. Um, he also looks startlingly like Mackenzie Crook. <laughs> he's, new... he's played for Tottenham. It was so long ago. You've almost forgotten yeah. forgot to play Spurs. And he's well, a serious incident. I interviewed Harry Redknapp when he, uh, he told me that he was going to build the Tottenham team around Luka Modric. I remember that. That must have been about 10 years ago. Um, yeah. yeah. But, Do you think but, people... no, I don't think I don't think you can... If you're an outfield player, I don't think you can really play in a World Cup at age 41. If he was a goalkeeper, though, he might do a, a Shilton. Or yeah. Roger, Roger Miller was about 59, wasn't he, when he was playing? Good point, yes. Roger Miller is one of the people who no one ever knows. Just we didn't, didn't still don't know his age. No one knows, exactly. Mm. Um, do you think that we... So during this podcast, we've listened to a few clips from Peter Drury. And I was still that, like, modern commentators... Um, you know, I've had this conversation a few times recently of like modern commentators. So it might just be one of those things you always think like when you were kids, it, everything was better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had Motson and Moore and a little bit of David Coleman and the commentators aren't as good anymore. But Peter Drury, I, I feel he, he is amazing. He's such hyperbole. But do you think he sometimes tries too hard? Because I, I feel he's, to me, he always reads like he's reading a script. It sounds like he's really, like he's actually prepared it all in advance. I think he's the best of a bad bunch, and I, I really do think it was uh, in the good old bad old days. Even when Coleman made his Coleman balls mistakes, Motti sounded like Alan Partridge. Barry Davis was the king of commentary for me. Yeah, You've got nobody that. as as good as Barry Davis. Nobody as good as Motti. Um, David Coleman one nil. I mean, you don't you, you couldn't be more eloquent than just saying one nil. Whereas now you get they do try too hard. They won't just ever just say one nil or two nil. They'll try and go into some pre-prepared um, quip that is is very Alan Partridge. You know, I think 
the, the modern state of commentary is is pretty appalling. Yeah, it is. You know, there's that um, there's that Twitter account, Accidental Partridge, and <laughs> I think people are just auditioning for it the whole time. It is very hard. Alan Partridge has kind of ruined, in a way, football commentary for everyone because it is very hard not to sound like Partridge or Partridgean. But yes, you're right. I mean, Clark one nil. So uh, leads for you there. It's um, the sort of thing that AI will be able to do quite soon, isn't it? It's like you know they've got song lyrics and paintings done by AI and cartoons done by AI. It feels like once they get face recognition software on the cameras, the AI will just be able to commentate on what it sees. Well, I mean, the the, the, the um, I'm sure you could put uh, a sim card or whatever in in the boots of the players so that it would know it, it would know and, and would know exactly who was where yeah tracking yeah yeah that would be amazing actually to, if you could then actually bring back a voice from the part like have david coleman just commentating on well in, in a way, i suppose it's a bit like you play fifa and and somehow but you know Martin Tyler or whoever's commentating on that game, it works. They've recorded every possible. You yeah. choose a yeah, voice, yeah. you choose a vocal skin. So it depends, you know, if you wanted, I don't know, Camilla Parker Bowles to <laughs> your commentator, you could have exactly it. who I want, yes. Yeah. Have you, you just take, made up the phrase again. vocal skin, Matt? Or is that <laughs> I a... have. No, I've that's, just made it up. But that's really good. Thing. I think you need yeah. to trademark that. Vocal skins are yeah. going to be the well, you know, vocal sense. equivalent of motion capture, aren't they? Um, but that is... Well, it's like... It's no, it's like GPS. I mean, I'm sure... Did you, you? There must be like a, a Vicky Pollard GPS or one. Of, did you ever record any of those? Or we, someone we, must didn't record, we didn't record them, but other people... Other, other people, people did, did exactly. Yeah. So that you can drive and just have, uh, you know, a, a little bit of character telling you to turn... And it's <laughs> exactly... Same way. I mean, you I'll should be. You, I tell you, whose voice I would have to be the commentator is, you know, when you're at Heathrow Airport and you get the shuttle from to your boarding gate from the terminal, and there's just there's someone who's got their own accent and an accent I've never heard in any other. I've never heard it coming from a person anywhere in the world. It's this really weird sort of. Um, Please disembark the uh, the carriage to make your way to the boarding gate. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it at Terminal Five you're talking about? Yeah, I haven't just had a stroke. I'm just talking about what actually happens when you're on that weird shuttle. When when you're thinking you just you're on the shuttle for about forty seconds and you spend the whole time thinking, well, it's Mm. not long enough to sit down. Mm. If I stand, I've got to hold one of those. Anyway. It's just a sort of stand clear of the doors, please. It's a weirdest woman that I'd like to hear her do the commentary. Uh, yeah. Do the commentary. Okay. I, I feel I feel sorry for the commentators because they've got to put up with their co-commentators, who have got to be even worse than the actual commentators themselves. I mean, Danny Murphy, um, who by the way kept mispronouncing the manager or the coach of the France national team all the way through that game, uh, pronouncing the last s. Of Deschamps, yeah, and couldn't couldn't Gary Lineker, who who you know is fairly well educated, got just contacted him and or texted him and said, "You don't pronounce the last S of Deschamps," but he kept saying Deschamps. Um, now, if you've got people like that who are co-commentating and talking to you like that, you know they're in the pub and they've they've just had their seventh pint. I kind of feel sorry for the main commentator. Yeah, I I, 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 I remember. 
Thierry Henry was at Arsenal for several years. He'd been there for several years, and you'd still hear people calling him Terry Henry. <laughs> um, Alan Hansen refused to say rude hullet, didn't he? He always went, ah, rude gullet, rude gullet. Yeah, I, my, my particular my particular bugbear is Bobby Firmino has played in the in in the, in uh, England now since when twenty seventeen, I think. Um, and you still see people calling him Firmino, and mm. it, oh, I, I guess for, if you can't pronounce a footballer's name who has played in it's one thing in the World Cup where everyone's a bit kind of, well it used to be at least a bit exotic and we didn't know the names I mean not Didier Deschamps but like, you know if, if a player you can't pronounce a name mm. you should just be like the kind of the the shepherd's crook you just get pulled straight off yeah and uh, and, and, and off and, and someone else you know give I, I- I blame the, uh, the education system or the government or, or teachers or parents or something. But why can't co-commentators remember that you don't pronounce the last letter of a name like Deschamps? And um, I, I'm going to be all the way through the final. The final's going to be spoilt for me on Sunday. Um, you know, and I suppose it will determine which side I watch, BBC I or... I was going to say, you're going to be the one person in the country who watches on ITV because... <laughs> Just to get away from Danny Murphy. <laughs> Sam Matterface's mum watches ITV. Uh, oh. What kind of a name, by the way, I mean, I know it's not his fault, but if, if Alan Partridge, if you had to reinvent him for the 21st century, you would think of a name like Matterface, wouldn't you? Because that would be such an un, unusual, strange, odd name for a commentator. I would think it sounds like a ride at Disney. Yeah, we've got to get in, uh, we've got to get in the queue for the Matterface. Sounds <laughs> like a character in The Mighty Boosh. Yeah, I always think of it as like shut up your face. What's the matter with yeah. face? Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be singing Joe Dirt Show all night now. Uh, Matt, your uh, clip, have a listen to this. Um, well, I'm sure you'll probably recognize the voice. They're a big part of our, our, our life in our country, but I think our writers now and our journalists are, are, are a lot more, yeah, articulate, thoughtful. It's uh, Gary man, Neville. It's a man. Have you played Gary Neville? I've forgotten if you played Gary Neville. No, yeah. Ellis has played no, Ellis Gary Neville. Yeah. Um, very, very beautifully. Very well, yeah. Good. Uh, on Fancy Football League, yeah. That's Gary Neville. Is he talking about the response uh, from British journalists to the fact that the World Cup was in Qatar? Uh, I think he's actually talking more generally. Uh, you're clear. I think he's talking generally about, I think, reaction to England going out. Oh, to England going out. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, is, is that true? Journalists are more thoughtful now than they used to be. I mean, I mean, yeah. yes, yes. I think, are, I think there are. It is more cerebral, and yeah, I think I think football journalism's gone gone up. I, I love the Athletic. I think the bar is higher, and there is there is a, a space. You know, it's kind of the Nick Hornby revolution, really, isn't it? Yeah, and there is space for more sort of um, creative football journalism. You know, doesn't if you're reading if you're reading the Athletic, that's uh, for sure. There was a lot yeah. of um, yes. Back in I the think. day, back in the day, I mean, I have to say, you you kindly didn't mention that I was um, uh, a national uh, newspaper uh, football reporter for some years, but um, I remember that um, back in the day, if England had gone out of a, a tournament, there'd be the most hysterical overreaction. Mm. You know, bring bring me the head of. Uh, 
actually that was an Alexi Sale joke, wasn't it? Bring me the head of Don Revy. Um, and you know, you used to have this um Graham Taylor was a turnip. Um, yeah. Glenn, you know, Glenn Hoddle, who made an unfortunate comment about reincar- reincarnation. But, I mean, mm. yes, they all made mistakes. Mm-hmm. But the pile-on, and this is before the days of Twitter, was was just appalling. And I'm actually, um, I don't know how fashionable or unfashionable it is. I'm a great admirer of Gareth Southgate, uh, both, um, you know, as a as a man uh, and as a... And, and he's shown his worth to me in bringing on these a, a group of young players. But there hasn't been, it seems to me, there hasn't been this ridiculous knee-jerk, you know, uh, let's string him up like Mussolini with his legs dangling from the lamppost. And that is... Sorry sorry to interrupt. I think there's two reasons. One is because it is generally acknowledged that the state that the England football team is in now compared to when Southgate took over is vastly different. And, and, you know, he's, he's, he's... his track record as England coach is is greater than probably anyone since Alf Ramsey, I would think. Yeah, he's in But also, yeah, up there. But but also, it is not. You know, England were not disgraced in their match against France by any means, and 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 could have won that game. And uh, and and also, I think the third thing is. Um, the press maybe realise they have a little bit of responsibility because when you look at the response that um, Bakayo Saka, Rashford, you know, some of the the black players received when England lost in the final of the Euros last year, um, you, I think the the press realised that they actually, to some to some extent, have a bit of a duty of care towards the the people in the game now, and um, and Gareth Southgate. Is not a villain. There's, he doesn't come across as aloof. He doesn't come across as dislikable. He doesn't come across as egotistical. Um, you know, some of the some of the managers are often a bit smoke and mirrors. You know, and they 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 see it all as a game. And with with Southgate, he comes across as just pretty decent bloke, doesn't he? And so I think he does have, and he's earned their respect as well because when he went there, when he first went there, what he hadn't. He hadn't really achieved very much as a manager, uh-uh. and, and and actually now, arguably on the international, um, you know, internationally he's he's done pretty well. I mean, you might say, well, it's nonsense. If you don't win, then you've won nothing. You're not worth anything. But I think we all know that what he's given us uh, uh, is hope, and that isn't something yeah. we've always had. Um, I think knives were being a little bit sharpened by the more sort of dog whistle elements of the press after that tournament in the summer. The you know after sort of you know dropping that sort of Nations League thing, it, a bit like the 2012 Olympics when there were sort of things about how expensive it was and how the infrastructure wasn't ready for it. Knives were being a little bit sharpened until we started to win things, and then suddenly the, exactly the same people that were saying it's a catastrophe and almost wanted it to be a catastrophe sort of changed their mind and lent into it and I think with Southgate there was an element of um, you know this is going to be a nightmare after that sort of um, tournament that Nations League tournament in the summer but they had they, you know they did change their minds quickly because they will um, follow public opinion as well as lead it but I think yeah. Matt's much right about the fact that the um, the standard of sports writing or football writing has has, has, has gone up I mean has, has increased and has reached a really interesting level 
and it did. I think it did start with Nick Nick Hornby uh, fever pitch. Um, mm-hmm. Although you know, being an Ars- he's an Arsenal fan, so it meant that uh, you know his book was a bit boring to read. All of these one nil wins by George Graham. But um, no, well, you, so, signed, you signed him after that, though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, George Graham then went from one nil Arsenal, one nil Arsenal to nil nil Leeds, nil nil Leeds. In fact, we used to sing the Vera Lynn song, "We'll score again." Don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll score again some sunny day. But that's George Graham. Let's leave him out of this. Nick Hornby and the the Hornby revolution can't be underestimated. Uh, a new generation came forward. You know, um, I, I, I mean, I, I was part of it in the sense that I I love the book and thought, wow, someone who is a good writer, who's funny, uh, and says it's okay to like I don't know music and literature and football. And you've got some great writers now, um, a lot younger than me. Um, you know, uh, quite a few of them writing for the Guardian. I don't say that because I'm particularly pro Guardian, but you know, you've got the likes of Jonathan Wilson, Jonathan Liu, um, Barney Renee, and people like that. And they, when I when I was a kid, um, you know, really didn't we didn't? I mean, we had Brian Glanville, uh, who's been you know, um, yes. but but um, after Brian and Hugh, Huey. Um, uh, just forgotten his surname, but uh, who played, who wrote, who um, who, who uh, wrote for the Sunday Times and in the Observer. Um, anyway, there was Hunter it, Davis as well, but yeah, Hunter the, Davis, the, uh, yeah, but the Tottenham, the, fan, the, Tottenham fan, so that probably, the, yeah. um, yes. And I'm, not, I'm get, I mean, genuinely, I, to any listener who, who wants to read a, a really fascinating book, I would say your um, that that first book of yours the promised land one really is a an excellent excellent read about not just about Leeds United but about a whole kind of weaving Leeds United and a family history together and, and a city history as well city, uh, history of the city of Leeds in a, in a really fascinating way so is a definitely worth a uh, a read but um Thank yeah you. I, I will say Skinner and, Skinner and Badil also contributed ah, yes. and contributed to the sort yeah. of um elevating the level of football debate i know i know they get criticism for sometimes having lowered it but i think overall no they elevated it i agree it was all part of the same thing in the 1990s yeah um yeah no i think i I think they did and and uh you know we are lucky i mean gary neville is right because actually gary neville himself achieves a level of eloquence i think that um you know we were knocking um commentators co-commentators but there's been there's some really excellent punditry now. Intelligent um, punditry doesn't take itself too seriously, as well. And again, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have seen Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, you know, being around um, with that kind of eloquence back in the day. So, uh, and can Gary and would Gary Neville call him Didier Deschamps? That's that's the only thing that matters, really. <laughs> no. You know, at one point, at one point, we were all really praising. Um, Andy Gray and Richard Keyes, weren't we? At one point, we thought they felt like yeah. they were talking about football in in a, in a sort of new way. And now they don't. They don't. They don't. I mean, Richard Keyes in, in particular does seem a bit of a dinosaur, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. 
I think Andy Gray was uh, the sort of big hitter in that partnership just because they were, when Sky really got a hold of the football, they were seemed like a breath of fresh air compared to whoever match of the day had at the time, which might have been Hanson and Brooking. I'm not sure, but people really liked Andy Gray, felt that he had real insight, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, the thing with Andy, what was amazing with Andy Gray was, firstly, as a colour commentator, he just gave a lot more passion than you'd ever heard in colour commentary. And then what you're alluding to, I think, Phil, was the, as well, like the eloquence of like Monday Night Football and showing tactics is simply the fact it's not so much they had a, a new um, something that BBC didn't give you they had time for it because they had hours yeah. to kill on match of the day you, you show the, the highlights and then you cut to the studio for Shearer and it's still the, the level of analysis is pretty crap because there's only yeah. two minutes but here yeah. you've got hours to fill. <laughs> Go right, yeah. James. Can you talk for two hours, please, on a Monday night? Because we haven't got a game. So you can talk for two hours, and and the result is great. Because we love football. We want to see this, hear these things. And it's only if you've got time can you can you do that. Yeah. At the end of that, uh, time for a very quick uh, message from our sponsors. We'll be back in a minute. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Never Out of the Germans is brought to you by my diesel claim. Over a million people have put their trust in them. That's more than 10 sellout crowds at Wembley. If you owned or leased a diesel vehicle between 2009 and 2020, you could be entitled to significant compensation. It's free to sign up and you can check your vehicle's eligibility instantly. Join millions of other football fans and visit mydieselclaim.com today or click the link in this podcast show description. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Now, thanks to everyone who was in touch during the World Cup via our Facebook page or our Twitter account at NeverRightOff. It's very much appreciated. But uh, before we go, I wanted to ask each of my guests for a favourite moment or memory from this World Cup. So, uh, Phil, what what stood out for you? Has it been a good World Cup? Have you enjoyed it? Has there been a great game, a great player, a great moment? What I'm thinking about, what I'm sort of thinking about most, and this is a cheat, is uh, the third place playoff. It's like, it's (laughs) just, it's just... 22 men whose hearts have been broken going out onto the football pitch to see if they can fail once more. It's like it's like football directed by Ken Loach. It's like <laughs> the, the coin toss will make them sad. It's like it's a very weird. It used to be 
after the final, didn't it? Did it? I didn't know that. I don't I, remember that. I, I, I might be wrong, but I had a feeling it, it sort of used with. to be oh, when the cleaners are going around with brooms. And... Exactly. You'd have brooms on the pitch while it was happening. Turning the flood you know, really People don't remember this, right? In, I think, two seasons, I think it was 1970 and 1971, they had a third, fourth playoff in the FA Cup. Did that? Yeah, and I was thinking the yeah. very first game ever in FA Cup history to be decided by penalty kicks was one of those third four players. Oh. Why? Why would you do that? They don't do it in the Euros. They don't do it in any other tournament. Uh, maybe the Olympics. I, it, it is. I don't even know if they do it in the Olympics. To be honest. But um, it's um, it's so. It's why? Why do they do it? They must do it in the Olympics because there's literally a bronze medal, isn't there? Yes, so, I know. But so actually, that, weirdly, yeah. they, they sometimes have some sort of things they share those. I, I don't know. Sports, they share them. Um, yeah, I, it, it's it's very odd. It really is odd. And and they're so – I'm sure none of us can remember a good one. And even when England no. have played in them, they, they've been – no one remembers England, Belgium uh, uh, last time or England yeah. Italy in 1990. It was just no. a – they are a very, they're just a you know, squeeze a little bit more money out of the tournament. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the players would just be happy not to play them. Yeah, I watched the 1990 semi final with West Germany. Matt and I watched together, in fact, and that was a, a big night and, and it felt a really special night. We didn't get together a few days later for the third, fourth. Play. No, that's right. <laughs> we might come third, we didn't, but. Well, so you're you're half you're you're a German citizen now. You you were you were happy either way. No wonder I was the only one crying, Matt. You 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 secretly wanted the Germans to win. Not secretly. Um, well, I wasn't no, a German citizen. You weren't then. I'm saying no, now. No. Well, yeah. my favourite World Cup moment. I was thinking. I ruled it out. I was going to say that incredible goal Richarlison scored in, in his first game that was unbelievable. But as a goon, yeah. I can't possibly say that. So my my favourite World Cup, well, I'm not, you know, as a sort of dedicated homosexualist, I'm not that into this World Cup. Um, so I think probably my favourite moment has been after, what was the third, what was our final group game? The Wales. Wales, yeah. After yeah. the well, I was I was just I was on the sofa watching the Wales game and I just I was sort of half awake, half asleep, really. It wasn't it wasn't the best. And I just kept the telly on, which I don't I normally would turn the television off. And the next program started, which was called The Traitors. It's on the BBC. I've seen the first three now, it's brilliant. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. It's really good. So I think my favourite World Cup moment was just leaving the telly on and the traitors coming on. I've loved it. <laughs> it's a lot more exciting than than the football. Mm. Don't hate okay. me. That is a I'm, top a, I'm a club football man. I'm a club yeah. football man. Exactly. You know, I mean, you know, if, we've talked about this over and over again privately. I international football is fine. It's fine. But me and Ashley have discussed this. You know, I people said to me, would you rather Arsenal win the league or England win the World Cup? And I said, let me make this quite clear. I'd rather Arsenal got, got into the Europa than England win the World Cup. I know, I'm an Arsenal fan. The England thing is like, it's fine. It's the sort of, it's like when you hear that a friend of a friend has done well. You go, oh, that's nice. I don't really know them that well, but they are good. That's nice. They, they got a new job. That's nice. It's a sort of like, oh, quite nice. I mean, I'd rather England did well than not, but it occupies so little of my mind space. I'm an Arsenal fan. 
you know. Okay. You, and to Gabriel Jesus, like being out for a few I minutes mean, is like the worst terrible. possible. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I think my best, I think the best moment was England. I mean, this sounds terrible, but when England lost, was thinking, good, now Bakayo Saka and Aaron Ramsdale can get back. And White's obviously already back. But, um, you know, and I'm looking and I'm going, well, William Saliba now is the only Arsenal player in, still in the World Cup, isn't he? I don't think. Or what about the third and fourth teams? No, I don't think there's any Croatian. No. So so I'm just hoping William Saliba doesn't get injured if he. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, this is a World Cup in which I've been hoping Arsenal players don't get picked. It's as simple as that. No, that's also partly because Arsenal find themselves in the extraordinary position of being top of the league. So, so for them, so there's also partly that. I think if Arsenal were seventh, I'd probably be quite glad not to have to watch any club football. But as it stands, I'm, I'm, I did not it want. Has to interrupted. This World Cup has interrupted the greatest season for many a year for an Arsenal yeah, fan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that that is unfortunate. Uh, and Anthony, gone uh, uh, finally. Well, then. You. I mean, I was going to say, Matt, take heart, because we're going to do you a favour when we beat Manchester City on December the 28th. Thanks in advance. It's OK. I mean, that's the big game. Forget uh, this Sunday, yeah. uh, France-Argentina. I'm really looking forward to Leeds-Manchester City on December. You know, I really am, actually. And uh, and also, to, in, in that vein, um, it's been the weirdest World Cup ever, because it's in the winter, uh, and also the background of the human, you know, the human rights records i mean given that i think stuff that's gone on off the pitch you know like iran's silence during their national anthem was incredibly powerful i mean i know germany did it as well but you're thinking what's going on in iran at the moment and you know we, we talk about oh this is life and death and uh, and all that well these iran players who refuse to sing the national anthem god knows i mean what's going to happen to them uh, you know just hope nothing does but they they've criticised the regime on the pitch in front of millions of people around the world by not singing the national anthem, um, and you know things like that. The the, the human rights issue is just has, has changed. I know that if England had got had got to the final, I'd probably not be saying all this, and I'm a terrible hypocrite, and I'd be and I'd be getting excited about it. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I was pleased when America got knocked out because Tyler Adams, of course, would be. Uh, back at Leeds United but no seriously I, I I just think that that moment when Iran's football mm. team just refused to sing the national anthem is my highlight yeah and I don't yeah. going back to what you were saying I don't you know you say oh I if England had done well and we're in the final that makes me a hypocrite because but actually you are allowed as a human being to feel lots of different things about a subject so you can feel pride and excitement about the England team and, yeah. also, and also sort of uncomfortable at, at the, the human rights record. You know, you oh. can feel all different things at the same time. It's we are yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had friends that, that uh, have said that they were going to kind of refuse to watch it. Um, yeah. My attitude is that I disagreed entirely with it being in Qatar. Uh, obviously, the bribery and corruption that led to it being in Qatar, and also what the country hosting the cup represents in terms of its kind of morality and its laws. But it's on, and 
my eyes being on it isn't going to make any difference. And also, it's not football's fault. It's not the game of football's fault. And, you know, young men from countries have gone out to be in that tournament. And I have to say, I've sort of enjoyed it as a tournament. I thought it was really good. I thought that a very tense group with Germany, um, Spain, Costa Rica, Japan, that last day, I thought was sort of brilliant. I thought the games were brilliant. The tension was brilliant in that group. In a way, that in, in a sense, probably that is my highlight, apart from the third place playoff tomorrow yeah no you know what i mean i've seen quite a few people on twitter and and particularly social media almost willing it to be a bad world cup and actually now kind of saying oh well you know because of their objections to uh many of the things we've talked about um certainly none of which you know any of us would disagree with but saying oh it's just been a terrible and and it's been a terrible tournament this is going to go down as the worst world cup ever it really hasn't it has been really really good and uh, actually being in the middle of the season as weird as it's been has been a different dynamic players i don't think you can say the players were undercooked in any way um their peak fitness and what have you and um and yes, you're right. That final day of that group where it was a moment when Spain were going out and then uh, Luis Enrique didn't even realise it, apparently. Yeah. They were going out and they did go out. It was so exciting. And of course, typical of FIFA and everything we're talking about, they are now going to completely balls that up by changing the number of teams in the World Cup. Well, they're now yeah, saying maybe right. 32 teams, be, uh, sorry, 64 teams, sorry, because we just kind of want to retain yeah. that. Because if you have three teams in a group, you'll lose. I mean, th- there's nothing FIFA and UEFA to that uh, to that uh, extent to uh, that matter. Love more than ruining good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they have got right. They have got right. And this is, this is something which I hope will be a knock-on effect on the Premier League. They were playing in the early games like twenty minutes of uh, yeah. injury time or mm. twenty five minutes. I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. First of all, because mm. I thought, oh great, I'm going to see Messi or, or whatever, whoever for another. But also the time wasting. You know, I think Arsenal have this a lot, and I know it sounds odd, but Leeds do because of the way that they play. The, the amount of time wasting that goes on with the opposition. Um, you know, of course you should add it on. People were complaining about yeah. it. How ridiculous! Twenty minutes. All fans. I thought that was a great innovation. Oh, it's great. I, I look, all fans, I'm sure, think that they're victimized in that way. But I think we all, no one <laughs> wants to see time with it. I certainly feel it. I've, I've seen it a lot. And there was that famous game at Anfield earlier this season with Newcastle United when Liverpool scored like this was actually the last kick. And they were complaining about too much time but they they've just been so much time wasting mm. yes. like, yeah, they, some of the yeah some of the new some of the new managers are quite big exponents of uh of what's loosely called shithousery and that's a little worrying gerard eddie howe uh i think arteta there's a lot of time wasting he he likes it in fact there was an article about him bringing it to the manchester city game when he was their assistant manager and it's a shame for me that some of the newer managers really kind of espouse that stuff stuff no yeah, Stephen. I mean, now's not the time but i uh we'll get off topic but no i mean i i i would not want him to be manager of Liverpool based on anything i've ever seen but you know uh, do we, do we, when, when the premier league resumes do we do we want to see um you know 10 minutes added time at the end or 12 or 30 i do um because actually it got uh, reduced as the tournament went on because teams were realizing they couldn't yeah. Getting yeah, into yeah, 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 and the shithousery was cut down. So that well, was look, actually a good innovation for you know. You know uh, yeah, we don't want to go. I mean, we always uh, we, we're naturally uh, programmed. I think us Brits to 
uh, hate any kind of idea of Americanization. <laughs> but I tell you, an Americanization that would probably be a good thing is you have a clock up. It starts at 45. Every time the ball yeah. goes out of play, stop it. Every time someone goes down, stop it. And you can look up and you can see exactly how much time is, is left. I would just, I don't know why we don't do that. Mm. And also, players, well. players going down uh, when they haven't been injured, it's like, how do you know? And then you've got to kick the ball and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, that yeah, yeah. kind of shithousery. I mean, oh, how terrible. do you stop that? Anyway, what well, maybe we're probably yeah. going off topic now, aren't we? Well, no, it's it's a fair point, and uh, no, I think I think you're right. Um, we well, you know what we we for some reason I don't know entirely why, uh, but sticking to the kind of vague quiz element of the show, we've always had a winner in this show, um, and simply I have no I have no idea who to pick here, but simply because I've known him the longest, I'm going to have Matt as the winner. Oh, <laughs> It's rigged. Um, it's rigged. You know what? Can that it's, go to VAR? Yeah, no, I think I'm like, like Robbie Fowler, like Robbie Fowler <laughs> taking that penalty, I'm, I'm going to be very, that. very half-assed about it. But inwardly, I'm going to be very happy when that ball actually goes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my manager, Mr. Deschamps, is appearing uh, <laughs> on the touchline. And 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 also, uh, I couldn't have done it without my teammate uh, Firmino. He's been yeah. like, <laughs> but they, they call him Bobby Firmino, but Philip Coutinho. Yeah, it's, they get they get the wrong way around for some reason. I think they do it just to annoy me. And I've Matt Ter Terry Henry would be proud of you, Matt. Terry Henry, Terry Henry is yeah. my inspiration. <laughs> there is an only fools and horses. There's an only fools and horses. I think it's the Jolly Boys outing when uh, Rodney goes rude gullet nowhere. So <laughs> I think that's I think he's to blame. I think. Uh, Nicky Lindhurst is is to blame for the rude gullets. I'm 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 going to suggest. Well, I am victorious. Anyway. Thank you for having me. Lots thank of you, Matt. Thank Mary you, Bill. For the final. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, uh, thank you to, to all my guests today. To all the guests I've had. Yeah. Enjoy the final. Uh, join me again for the Euros in 2024. By which time, surely they'll have improved, and we can once again say, "Never write off the Germans." Until then, goodbye. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.